gold still at 1800 Bitcoin's coming back. I told you it was the richest plan just to shake out the peasants. The Minneapolis police are back executing no-knock warrants and uh, executing, uh, pun intended. We'll talk about that. People got their meta ass handed to them this week. Everything's going up in the metaverse except meta stocks. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is Therapy Session 155, otherwise known as Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how are you today, sir? Another week has gone by, Gerardo. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? You know, it's it's been a week. It's been a week. You know, I know we want to talk a bit about COVID and we want to talk about, you know, whether we're back to normal. Um, there certainly isn't a shortage of opinions out there and approaches. Uh, you know, we had an interesting week here in Texas. There was going to be another ice apocalypse. We prepared for it. The city clo- shut down the schools. Nobody was allowed to go to work. And, you know, luckily it wasn't as bad as the last time. I think we're coming out of that. But no, look, all in all, things are well. Thankful to be here. Happy to be here. And uh, good to catch up with you again. Let's do it. Um, how cold did it get? Did you get some snow? I was talking to someone in Dallas and they said there was like a tiny, tiny bit of snow. Yeah, we had, we, we had some snow, about a quarter inch. We had a lot of ice. It got as cold as 19 degrees. Not out of the woods yet. 19 Fahrenheit for my Canadian friends. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be 19 or 18 degrees again tonight. And then tomorrow we get above freezing again. So that's, you know, that's kind of like the green light to get out there back on the roads. And, you know, it's, it's different. I, I spent my childhood in Chicago, as many of you know, and a, a long time in Alaska, 17 years in all. And the infrastructure there is in place, you know, to throw salt on the roads and, and to have the trucks out there scraping away and de-icing and pre- preparing for it. And it's just not that way here because you can't, you know, you can't have a, a, a whole infrastructure network for like two or three ice days, right? It's better to just shut everything down. But yeah, there was a 14-car pile up on the highway of people that just don't know how to drive in those types of conditions. But luckily, it wasn't as deadly as the last time. And luckily, the grid held up this time around. So that was good news. So all in all, thankful that it went the way that it went. Um, there was a storm sweeping across the entire country, I think, uh, that was dumping some some snow uh, all over that people were talking about. You know, I'm here in Spokane, so uh, we don't pay much attention to, to that. Uh, it was snowing yesterday. You laugh at my 19 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. I see I, you smirking. I don't even think it made the news. Um, anyway, what are we going to talk about? You know what? Before we get into gold still being boring, and that's going to be the whole gold segment. Let's just not even talk about gold on this one, right? Gold is still boring. It's kind of at 1800 I still think it's setting up well. That's my take on gold. We have to talk these meta stocks. I joke that people got their meta ass handed to them. Um, somebody learned them something this week. The, 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 uh, it, it was not pretty. I mean, when I see Facebook down 23% after market, and then the very next day I see snap up 25 30 percent you know on 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 some earnings beats the dow the s p and the nasdaq is starting to trade like a junior and so at that point if it's starting to trade like a junior for 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 investors and speculators that are risk averse why wouldn't you take a little bit of that capital and start rotating it into some of the better junior names or even some of the majors in the commodity space that have these really robust supply demand fundamentals and value propositions that you can measure. It's a little bit harder with the juniors if you're not into the exploration stocks, but it's a lot easier with, you know, the companies that you've mentioned before, some of the Kinrosses and the Camagos and, you know, these producing companies that have real numbers attached to their balance sheet 
I'd love to hear your thought because I know that you, uh, you're sitting on a cash position that you've been deploying very strategically here over the past several weeks. I'm curious to hear if you did some more of that this week. I know that uh, you were savagely trading tech stocks short and long. Well, let's start there. Um, it, not just meta stocks. I mean, it was tech stocks that have um, had a relatively bad week. I mean, the, the NASDAQ was selling off um, hard earlier in the week and you're um, in that phase now where uh, investors aren't responding to news the way they responded to news for the past year. So um, I'm going to take it back to the crabs for a second. When the crabs were expensive a year ago and started saying they're not expensive because there's fewer crabs and they're not expensive because people are poor at buying more crabs, they're getting more expensive because there's inflation. Uh, in the mm -hmm. system and, and people were, were pushing against that narrative, right? And then we had the pushing against that narrative for a while saying it was transitory. So um, <laughs> we've, been, we've been saying that earnings uh, weren't going to be so good in that, yes, they were going to be good. Uh, earnings growth was going to be good, but that, that rate of change was slowing down, right? And I was telling you that people think linearly. They think what happened before was always going to happen. So tech company prints good earnings, stock goes up. Um, except that doesn't happen now that we're not in the same sort of macro environment, right? And so the world uh, is a circle. Yeah. So that's what I'm starting to say. Like the, the investors are responding negatively to these earnings. And furthermore, when a multi billion dollar company goes down 20% in aftermarket trading, that's telling you that's not a, a safe environment to be in, right? And, and part of that is the, the VIX is still elevated. But uh, more than that, it's the market pricing in the slowing down of earnings growth and the slowing down of growth, period. And so just like people were saying, no, it's not inflation. I see a lot of articles now. <laughs> earnings growth is still 25 percent. Right. And it's the same exact thing. It's like, yes, but and that yes, but it can make you a lot of money, just like if you bought the inflation trade over the past year. Right here, that yes, but is getting cash, which we've talked about buy gold, which I, I've done. So not only. Um, was I buying a little bit of bonds this week? But I was buying the old GLD, right? I mean, I was I was flashing the cash in the GLD. Why not, right? I mean, um, I think gold's going to go higher, especially uh, buying on dips below eighteen hundred at this point. I think is okay. And then um, you asked about the the majors. I was looking at them as well. I mean, look at AEM. I mean, pull up that chart. It's only a buck or two <laughs> off its fifty two week low, for example, it's and it's getting ready to to acquire Kirkland Lake. And so I own those shares as well. So uh, mainly, not mainly, be, uh, ultimately because I knew they were going to become Agnico shares eventually, right? Um, and so yeah, I'm buying companies like that. Yeah, I think the the, the safe stuff. So bonds, gold, cash, and then. There are companies that are still going up, like look at a chart of things that are related to like agricultural commodities, for example, look at like Mosaic or Bunge, BG, like those stocks are still near 52 week highs, General Mills, for example. And so um, you can be a little bit defensive and, and start to look to dividends. But um, really, if you want alpha or if you want things that are going to go up in this environment, it's it's gold. And I think yields, though, uh, bonds, though, yields fucking spiked right at the end of the week here. We'll see how high they, they get. The bond market tends to lead. It's an interesting bond market right now. I, as you know, I always watch that. I look at German yields and, you know, those are those are as high as they've been in quite some time. Zero? So something to keep in <laughs> Well, when you're coming from a, a baseline of negative, you know, whatever it was, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're up there. So it's, um, 
It's interesting times for sure. Um, let, you know, we have to talk Facebook a little bit. And, and, and not so much the action in the stock, but the fact that for the first time, I think ever, users decreased, users declined. Um, new users declined a lot. And, and then hence the reason for it being down when it was down after hours, right? But we all know how toxic, especially for teens and kids, social media platforms can be. I am actually, again, maybe, you know, naively so, but optimistic that this younger generation is starting to get it and pivot away from some of the things that they're starting to realize, maybe just intuitively, this doesn't feel like the healthiest thing for me. This doesn't feel like the healthiest way to spend my time. I can tell you, I have three kids, right? 23, 18, and 13 years old, all boys. And they think that's for old people. And even some of the older people that I know, right? The mid-40s and mid-50s people, even they're starting to say, this is just stupid. We spend half our day arguing over points that we've already made our mind up about. And nobody ever really goes in there wanting to exchange ideas in a, in, in a curious fashion. They just go in there trying to prove their own ideas. So I guess what I'm getting at and what I'm asking you is, do you think we're finally getting to a point where maybe society as a whole is starting to ask the question about, you know, is there a better way to exchange ideas than to just yell at each other and, you know, on one side, fuck AOC, and on the other side, fuck Donald Trump, who, by the way, said that if he gets elected president, He'll consider pardoning all of the January 6th insurrectionists. Um, hell of a campaign slogan. But, you know, back to the Facebook question, social media. Do you think we're getting to that point where maybe we're starting to ask better questions? Or do you think it's just the youth and this fourth turning that's driving the the, the, the decline there? I'm not sure. Um, I mm. think that there will always be, you know, tribalism and, and partisanship. Hopefully it's not the... Um, you know, main fruit of the social media tree. Um, Facebook's been toxic for a, a long time. It's 2022. That means it's been 10 years since I haven't had an account because it was 2012 when I signed off of Facebook and never went back. So Same. that writing, that, me. that yeah. writing was on the wall, but nonetheless, it continued to grow in the stock. Not only did Facebook grow as a community and an online, whatever portal, and obviously it was Instagram made tons of acquisitions. The stock did very well as well. Um, but now it's more openly toxic, as you say, um, and it's toxic for multiple reasons. It's toxic for misinformation, the ads, um, the personal in infringement that, that it does. We were just talking about the prayer apps and stuff. I mean, who do you think that prayer apps are selling <laughs> the data to, right? I mean, they're selling it to Facebook or brokers that then resell it to Facebook. Uh, and it's toxic for the reasons that you say about the um, the kids, you know, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast. I was mentioning it to my wife, though. Um, there was a study recently that created a bunch of um, uh, accounts posing as uh, underage bots and just created like Instagram accounts and stuff and stuff. And one, they were allowed to create the accounts. But two, um, it didn't take long for them to be started to serve up ads about body image and, and things like that. Um you know, which leads to the psychological things and potentially mm -hmm. even physical things down the line. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not something I want my kids to get exposed to. Um, I'm starting to ramble a bit. Um, yes, I think that gun to my head, I think that the, the social media fad is waning for um, all of those uh, reasons. Is, is online going to get less toxic? Uh, I'm not sure. Is um, 
is there a better alternative going to emerge? I'm not sure about that either, but I do know, or I do think that people are starting to question, you know, you know, why am I spending whatever, two, three, four, five hours a week or more on this app? Um, when I'm just wasting time comparing myself to, um, other people. And then it brings up a, a good question for, uh, investors. And of course, business owners like us is where do you go to, to get those eyes, eyeballs, right? Um, mm. I think Apple was saying they were going to have 10 or $20 billion less in, in ad sales this year because of like um, new cookie protections and, and things that are allowing people to opt out of, of getting tracked. And so um, that whole online, um, whatever, clickbait, click tracking thing is going to look a, a little different. It might uh, behoove you to own your uh, own list and acquire your own names. You know, it was interesting to me, you, you mentioned tracking and cookies and, you know, Michael K. Williams was an actor who, who, you know, who passed over a year ago from an accidental overdose. He, he, he bought some heroin that was laced with fentanyl from a local neighborhood drug dealer, right? You would think that someone at Michael K. Williams level, if he chose to, to, to go buy heroin, that he would have like a boutique drug dealer available to him. And there was a story in one of the papers, and I'll put a link up to it. Um, where it shows how the cops and the feds were able to track down who did it. And it was great work. It was, you know, cameras from the local bodega, which identified a license plate, which was then cross-referenced with license plate readers at various toll bridges, which was then referenced with cell phone. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll put the link up to the article, but my point is it was really good investigative work and I, I couldn't you know and they arrested the people that were responsible they arrested four people um the, the 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 police of course said they wanted to treat this as in a murder case they wanted to treat it as you know there was fentanyl that led to the death we want to charge all four of these people with capital murder that hasn't happened yet but the four people are under arrest and i highlight that i highlight that because there was a case in minneapolis this week on February the 2nd, a gentleman named Amir Locke was at a friend's house sleeping on a couch. I've been to many of friend's houses. I've slept on many couches, right? And <laughs> the Minneapolis police executed a no-knock search warrant. And we now know because of the body cam footage that what the police did was they had a key. They put a key in the door. They didn't knock. They opened the door. They point the gun at Mr. Locke, who's sleeping on, underneath a blanket, as one does at 5, 6 in the morning. They yell for him to get up. He lifts the blanket up, and within nine seconds, he shot three times. He, it's found that he had a weapon near him. When the body cam footage comes out, there was no, there was no, no, nothing there that suggested that he lifted the weapon, pointed the weapon, nothing other than the guy just had his arms like this and heard some yelling. I was like, what the hell, right? He wasn't named in the warrant. He's not who they were looking for. So I, I, I bring it up because on the one hand, it's obvious to me how well law enforcement could conduct investigations and how efficient and effective they could be when they use information and technology and a little common sense, in, as in the case of Michael K. Williams, when they want to, right? Well, when there's a and, Hollywood star yeah. involved. Right, right. But when it's just another person sleeping on a couch, 
And we already said as a police department a year ago that we would no longer be executing no-knock warrants. They just straight up lied to the public again, right? They lied. They lied. This is where, you know, we we had the whole situation a year ago where the whole thing happened. And they said, we're going to put a stop to this. We're no longer going to conduct these. The only reason we know it happened is, again, because of body cam footage. And again, back to the youth, back to the fourth turning, back to our institutions not being trustworthy. It's stuff like this that makes it so difficult to have meaningful conversations about about police reform and our criminal justice system and how to best advance that in a way that is sensical, that is empathetic, but also that, that, that enforces the rule of law and order in an effective but just way. Killing a man who's underneath a blanket, whether he had a gun, two guns, a bazooka or not, um, when he's not even named in the warrant, and you give them nine seconds, it just, it, it seems, again, it seems like an execution. Yeah. There has to be a better way. Has to be a better way. No, I agree with that 100%, especially if they said they weren't going to do no-knock warrants. I didn't know that. And I hadn't looked into this um, case too thoroughly. I haven't seen the footage. I, I did read that the, the the gentleman had a weapon or was reaching for a weapon or that there was a weapon there. So I have to read more about it. But um, the no-knock warrants in general are bad juju, man. I mean, they're just a recipe for this because, I mean, uh, it's the same way that Brianna Taylor was killed, right? And and she's not the only one. But, um, and it seems like, not it seems like, I'm not sure the benefit of uh, doing the no-knock warrants. I get the element of surprise, right? But like you say, there's a way to conduct policing such that you don't got to go uh, barging through doors in the middle of the night to, to apprehend your uh, suspect, right? Um, obviously, they can do reconnaissance work, at least to know that there's um, someone in the house that's not named in the warrant, wait till the their suspect is the sole person in the house, right? Um, and I guess those would those would be my, my thoughts. Uh, I'm going to have to watch the footage and, and read about it. Has there been any um, repercussions, protests, whatever in Minneapolis? So interestingly, there was a woman that a year ago, you know, the last time that something of national significance happened or made it in the national news, there was a a woman that was brought on by the Minneapolis Police Department to kind of, you know, be a liaison between the community and the police department and 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 try to have a transform a transparent dialogue about how best to bridge the distrust. And one of the things that had come out of that a year ago was that they were no longer going to execute no-knock warrants, right? So when this case happened, she immediately demanded that that work group, you know, pressure the police department to release the footage. And 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 and, and, the, and they did finally. And the footage isn't, you know, the most flattering to the police department, obviously. And so there's an interaction. You can, you know, you can Google it. I'll put a, I'll put a link up between her and the, the, the captain of the police department, a, a, a captain that was uh, given a press conference. And she basically took over the press conference and said, I'm not going to be up here I'm, 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 I'm translating now, right? As, as your pawn to the community, telling the community that this was the right way. Y'all have to stop killing people that have nothing to do with the person that you're looking for. And you have to give people more than nine seconds, especially if they're not pointing a weapon at you. And, and you told us that we could trust you to no longer execute no knock warrants. So it was, it was, it was an interesting three, four or five minutes. It was, um, again, another sign that I think, um, people aren't just going to sit down and take this anymore. You know, I look at, and you know, my brain goes all over the place. I look at what's happening in Canada with the truckers and the COVID mandates and how they're linking up and nobody's asking 
do you believe that you should be vaccinated? Nobody's asking, you know, do, what they're saying is you got to give us an opportunity to work and let it be our choice. You can't mandate, you know, 14 day quarantines if we don't get vaccinated and we cross the border because you're taking away our ability to live, to provide for our family. And I agree with the truckers 100% without asking what their political beliefs are, without asking how they feel about the vaccine, without asking any of that. You can't take, not at this point of the COVID dialogue, right? Not, not where we know that the most recent variant, yes, if you have underlying health conditions, um, it, it, it can absolutely, it can kill you. You know, it, it, it can kill you. Um, but you have to give people a choice and you have to give people the opportunity to provide a living to their family. And ultimately it's up to people what they do. And so I agree with, with you know, the truckers in Canada. Um, another sign that we're no longer going to just blindly trust institutions. I think that the Ottawa police chief said, we're looking at every single option, including military aid, to, to stop the unlawful occupation of the country's capital. Hmm. Think about that for a second. A Canadian police chief openly, publicly saying to its citizens that elected that police chief that they're considering military aid to prevent this protest. It's mind boggling to me. It's 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 I don't know. I don't know if if that doesn't scream of of of, of abuse, of just a violation of like just human trust. It's crazy to me, Nick. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I am the crazy. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I just think that we're so far down the rabbit hole and and, and so far into this turning and, and bizarre world that uh, you see things and, and you scratch your head and you're like, wait, am I the crazy one uh, or not? I mean, you know, I haven't paid too close attention uh, to that, though. I have seen some good videos, uh, but even here in the U.S., I mean, we talked about uh, Neil Young and Joe Rogan uh, last week, and you had the U.S. press secretary this week telling Spotify they should. <laughs> be taking more action right so like you know trying to tell a private company what to do and no i think that um you know a lot of things two years into a pandemic tensions are high of course all those caveats right but um i think generally people are, are ready to get to it there was a poll this week you know a monmouth university poll 77 percent of people uh, irrespective of uh political leanings said it's time to to move on and live with the virus you have uh, governors giving speeches saying that it's time to, to to live with the virus. I think Maryland Governor Larry Hogan gave a speech to that effect in his state of the state address this week. Um, and, and 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 more and more, I, I think that that's the the sentiment, right? You and I have talked about it in recent weeks with uh, preschools closing and keeping the the masks on all day. And that's another thing for the kids, man. When you see, um, on, yeah. you know, in stadiums, like um, what was last week? Magic Johnson, uh, Gavin Newsom and the, and the mayor of L.A., right? Hanging out in a private booth at the NFL playoff games, hugging, taking pictures, no masks on. And then your state. But the mayor said he didn't breathe. He said he held his breath. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And so... You know, this juxtaposition, you know, it, it just, it, it doesn't pass the smell test. And so a lot of stuff hasn't passed the smell test. And a lot of stuff was done early on because we didn't know. And now we know a lot more. You said at this point in the COVID dialogue, right? Exactly. We know yeah. uh, who it affects, you know, who gets sick. And um, it's time to treat it as such uh, now, right? And, and and I think that's what it is. And, and some people are doing that more than others, right? Like... Uh, 
uh, sort of like checking box J on the accredited investor form, right? <laughs> the, the preschool gets closed down and you got to send an at a picture of an at-home test. Okay, I got a picture of an at-home test, right? It's like a right-click in a JPEG on an NFT, right? You can save that thing over and over. So anyway, um, I'm starting to ramble a bit, but uh, yeah. No, it ties <clears throat> in perfectly. It ties in perfectly. And, and, and you know, I, I got to hit the Biden administration again, man. Just stupid ass get in front of the press corps and he got grilled and he deserved it. For those of you that missed it, a rep of the Biden administration was up there explaining to the press corps that they had credible information and sources that revealed to them that Russia was planning a false flag attack, that they were potentially looking to bring actors in, in and stage, you know, what, what would look like, you know, an incursion um, in order to, to, to get, you know, Russian troops to be able to be justified in, in, in escalating, you know, the, the, the potential conflict that's occurring right now. And good on this journalist, and I should have had his name ready, I'll find it later on, but good on this journalist for saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, I've been around for 30 years. Uh, I remember when uh, Colin Powell got up there with the little tube and said, you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction, we know where they're at, it's going to take us a month or two to go get them. And we, we got to stop them and we all voted and we didn't question you enough. He said, I, I'm old enough to remember that. I'm old enough to remember, you know, 9-11. He said, so, so just give me, what, what is your source? And the Biden rep said, I'm telling you. <laughs> and the journalist, journalist said, no, 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 I get that you're telling me. But what is the source? And he says, well, it's declassified information that I am telling you. And the journalist says, you can't be the source that you're telling me is now declassified for the fact that maybe Russia is going to hire actors to stage an incident that takes us to war. It doesn't work that way. What credible source and information do you have? And the guy just kept saying, I'm the credible source and information. That's why they should, I mean, they should have renamed the football team the Washington Senior Administration Officials. Right. It's like the L.A. mayor expecting us to believe he held his breath when he was next to Magic Johnson and Gavin Newsom when he got caught without a mask. Like, who are you talking to? My seven-year-old niece wouldn't believe you. She would look at you and say, what'd you say? <laughs> it's absolute madness. <laughs> anyway, let, let's get back to the markets for a little bit. I'll get off my... No, institutional rant here. One more thing yeah. on that. And, oh, and, I can and, keep going. I got a hundred more. And just to wrap it up on, on, on the Rogan, that's exactly what he was saying, right? Look, you're telling me that I'm spreading misinformation, but, um, you know, all these things you were telling us was fact a year ago that we weren't allowed to question have now come to pass, right? And so, um, you know, it's come to mean we're like fact checkers or like, you know, narrative administers, right? And so, anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I I thought it was great. Um, I thought the 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 grilling was great. Um, yeah, the the guy that got grilled, the State Department spokesperson Ned Price, who got into it with AP reporter Matt Lee. It's important that I get Matt Lee's name out there because that's what journalism is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about speaking truth to power and holding those in power that we entrust with that power, with our votes and our dollars, holding them to a higher regard and standard. And good on him for representing the people because that's how you're supposed to do it. I put a link up to it. It was fantastic. Good. All right. Let's go back to the metaverse because it's fun, right? <laughs> um, metaverse uh, real estate sales have now topped half a billion dollars. <clears throat> Let me explain this to you folks. 
Real people are taking out real mortgages to buy fake real estate in the metaverse. Take it away, Nick. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm not sure what you want to know. I'm not sure how they're getting real mortgages for that. The underwriters might have something to say, but they're certainly spending um, real dollars on it. Now, some of that might be attributed to this, this simple amount of money sloshing around that whales have made in the crypto space over the past couple of years that has now been uh, redeployed into other assets like NFTs and, and digital real estate, for example. Um, so that might be inflated a bit, but... Uh, nonetheless, there's some other things going on that, that speak to the fact that crypto is here to stay and, and maybe not so much a, a, a digital casino like you're, you're talking about here with the NFTs. Um, what is I going to talk about? Um, transactions. I was going to talk about processing transactions. Like yeah. um, in the past year, I think crypto was used to settle nearly as many transactions as American Express and Discover Card. Like um, not on par with what um, Visa and MasterCard do, but uh, certainly processing nearly as many payments as uh, other major credit card brands. I also saw that there was... Um, and again, I'm not sure what the question is, but there was several members of uh, Congress who reported um, trading cryptos in the past year. So you've got um, uh, Congress people and, and senators who were who are in on the crypto game long. And you had uh, Senator uh, Pat Toomey this week saying that um, he's a owner of uh, crypto and he thinks that all diversified portfolios should have uh, a little bit of crypto in it. And, and then there was one member of the House of Representatives who tweeted this week that he would be open to receiving his salary in uh, Bitcoin. But that tweet was um, quickly deleted. So um, <laughs> not sure what the question was, but uh, the, the, the question was, and I didn't even ask it, right, because sometimes we just kind of go there. But the question was, is this going to be a trend that that continues on? And is there and, I, you know, it's a hypothetical and obviously I think I know the answer, but is is, is there a way to profit from that, right? Is there a, a, an expert that could possibly um, guide towards that? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Boom, well, ball up in the air. I, I, Spike I, away, I'm not going to for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you, sir. So let, let me talk about it as, as, as like a skeptic for a second, because there was a YouTube video out a couple of weeks ago called Line Goes Up. Um, mm. They got millions and millions of views. If you haven't seen it, Gerardo, I can send it to you. Flick it on your TV. That's how I watched it on YouTube. But um, it's a two-hour monologue of this guy basically saying why NFTs are fucking bullshit, um, why they're a Ponzi scheme, why there's no utility, uh, why certain people can sell them and mint them and other projects fall flat on their face, um, how in some cases they're total grift, the, the coins and the tokens are just made to provide uh, liquidity for the originators mm -hmm. to, to exit and and things like that. And, and the guy seemingly makes some valid points, but it stunk more of you miss the crypto wave type stuff and, and you're intellectually smart enough that you shouldn't have. And so now you're a little bit jaded, but uh, a, a la Rubini with Bitcoin. Exactly. Your shift, for example. But um, and so here's my take. Look, he goes through all the funny stuff, right? The NFTs <laughs> and the, the various gorillas of which there's like five different classes. And, 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 you know, he talks about all the spam that he got when he signed up to one community and all the coins that he got pitched. And I very quickly started thinking about Penny Vancouver stocks and <laughs> that's how he was describing them. You know, it's a story and you can't be negative on them and you always got to be bullish. And I was thinking about Canadian promoters. And you got to be in the chat room and you got to hype it up. And 
to, to the moon is new, the new blue sky potential and the Chinese are here and all it takes is a small amount of capital to take this from a $3 million yeah. market cap to $37 million, all that? All that, yeah. So, Which doesn't mean that it's not a market. So sure. I guess here's my thoughts. It's still so mm-hmm. early days that this is sort of like the figuring it out of it all, right? And yeah, right now are we building crypto monkeys or whatever um, on the blockchain? <laughs> yeah, but in the future could... Um, like I was reading this uh, lead engineer from Microsoft's take the other this week. He's been hired to like lead their foray into NFTs. And he was saying that this was a prediction. In three years, he was saying that Ethereum is going to be like the new app store where you like you go on the Ethereum blockchain to like download your apps because like Ethereum, you can like build on top of the chain or whatever. And so, right. yeah, you know, if, you know, the Wright brothers had to start somewhere, they took off in a dumb fucking plane the first time, too. That's like their crypto gorilla, right? That flight sucked. It only lasted for a second or whatever. And it wasn't. I didn't have a lot of utility on, on the beach yeah. in, in North Carolina, but you got to start somewhere. And so um, I think the, the, the sector is, is here to stay. And I take that um, all the, the arguments against it. Right. Um, but I still think that um, it's a seminal moment for a new um uh, financial uh, entity or a new financial way of doing things. And so um, and to that end, uh, I'll spike your volleyball down. Yeah, we, we've got the $50,000 now ready to go. And um, Chris was wanting to make some buys this week and I told him to wait a week. But Pray your hands. Pray your hands. Yeah, no, we, we've, we've got the list of what we're going to buy first. The Mina coin, the Phantom. Um, Don't tell them. The <laughs> Make them pay. No. Make them pay, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're not going to know when and, and how much we're deploying, which is sort of the point. So um, the pub is called Crypto Cycle. He's already got uh, crypto uh, tutorial videos up. Like uh, this week, he was uh, putting uh, screen grab videos up about how to buy Solana and make hot wallets. And I'm learning already. And so. those are those are great. Even my simple self uh, was in there and learned some things. And if I can learn some things about the crypto and NFT space, all of you can learn some things. It's a really, really well put together educational series. Kudos to Mr. Chris Curl for getting that up and going. And kudos to us for recognizing that he had that in him because it's really well done. Exactly. He knows his stuff. And, and that's what I've been saying. Yeah, we want to make some money. Obviously, we're putting $50,000 on the line and we don't want to lose it. But, you know, we also want to learn about the space. It's so much to learn that um, it's, you know, it's worth the price of admission just to get the education. And there literally is an educational series. We have what we call a, a crypto U series that's already up to level 301 plus, I think, four videos in the glossary um, to tell you and show you about the, the genesis of the crypto space and how it's evolving and um, the definition of all the stuff and, 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 and why it can be used to create a decentralized future of finance. And so um, anyway, membership is open. We've had people that have already taken us up on that. So we have a real publication. Issues now coming out uh, every other Wednesday. And um, we'll be making crypto purchases before Valentine's Day for sure. I don't know if we'll buy any enough tits or not, but we're going to buy something. Well, look, Bitcoin back above 40,000. 40, yep. Ether, right around that 3,000 mark. So I joked a week or two ago that every time there's a shaking of the tree, to me, it's 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 the, you know, if, if, if you want to argue that, you know, 3% of Bitcoin owners own 95% of all the Bitcoin or, or you, you extrapolate that to the entire crypto space, well, it sounds like that's an easy way to make a lot of money if you just shake the tree every four or five months. So regardless about how you 
feel about a Bitcoin or a Solana or an Ether or wh whatever it is that you're dabbling in, you could be right, 100% correct that it's a manipulated space because of, 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 of the small amounts of capital that are required to move it. But if that's your thesis, I could make a counter argument that says, well, what's stopping them from taking Bitcoin to 100,000 then or 200,000 and just shaking the tree every time it gets a little frothy? And if that's the case, then we're going to make money either way and everybody's happy, right? So except for the people that just live to be right instead of getting it right. And uh, for you, sorry. Yeah, and, and, and think about it in terms of resources again, right? Like think about Bitcoin like your, your physical gold, right? I mean, you, you, you literally buy it and how to let you put it in a safe or a safe deposit box or you bury it somewhere and, and you forget about it. And so um, I heard somebody describing it as like real estate this week. They were saying like, you know, owning a Bitcoin now is like yep. owning a barren spot on Wall Street 100 years ago or something 200 years ago, right? Where the financial system is built up on it. And now you're buying that baseline real estate that a new system is going to be built on top of. Um, and in that respect, I think it totally makes sense to, to buy Bitcoin and stash it away on the, the dips. That's sort of my personal strategy with uh, Bitcoin. And then, you know, NFTs and altcoins are all the way on the speculative side, right? Where you certainly shouldn't be putting the majority of even your speculative capital in that. And um, there's sort of those, you know, five, 10 cent to, to 50 cent type shots, right? That you're trying to take. Not, um, you know, no one's building a financial system on on board apes, right? But um, on Bitcoin, they might be. And so I don't know, that's my strategy. And then you think about the finite nature of it, the, the 21 million Bitcoins. And I can certainly see a future where owning one whole Bitcoin is like bragging rights, right? So anyway, I think that's- So just to be, so just to be clear, lots of runways still in the crypto space and- Oh, absolutely. You're, you're bullish on that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm really bullish. Going back to the circle thing, right? So, yeah, yeah tech stocks don't go up forever. Neither does Bitcoin. But uh, the, the the bear markets or the down periods or what are they? They're the authors of the bull markets, right, Gerardo? So that's how it goes. I have a happy, sad story. I'm here. Which version do you want first? The happy story or the happy version of the story the or the sad, sad version of the sad story? Verse. Rihanna's pregnant. I heard. Not by you. Not by me. <laughs> Not even in the metaverse. <laughs> I mean, in the real world, I had no shot. I'm aware. I'm a happily married man, right? I wasn't going to get around Rihanna. And even if I did, wasn't going to happen. But in the metaverse, I thought there might be hope. <laughs> you want to know? I suspect she'll never join the metaverse. So, no. Congratulations to Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. And I uh, wish them all the best, man. They're a beautiful looking couple. And all the best to, to, to them and theirs. I'm, I'm sure they'll do great by that baby. But yeah, no, huh? everybody knows my affinity for Rihanna. If you know me, you know I love that woman. Was that the happy part of the story? Was that was the happy and the sad part. Oh. <laughs> the happy part is they're bringing a baby into yeah. the world. They, they, they look like they're in love. They're thrilled. It's the first baby for both of them. They look like a new power couple. Good for them. Good for ASAP Rocky, her 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 fiance, and and good for Rihanna. Right? She's been grinding and working billion dollar empires, and I remember when she was just a little umbrella girl, right? And so, yeah, good for congratulations to them. It's been impressive to see that run. I was just gonna say, one hundred and fifty five episodes ago, I believe you opened up this uh, very first episode of the first podcast by saying that yeah, you, we were gonna learn why you would let Rihanna sing the ABCs to you. Because that would be enough for me. 
<laughs> but now that's probably never going to happen. <laughs> and we're probably not going to get another album from her in quite some time. Uh, so. Off the market. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. As bummed as I am, I'm sure Drake is kicking himself in the ass. <laughs> so another conversation for another podcast. <laughs> Anyhow, Nick, back to the markets. What are we looking for this week? Uh, my, my Patriot battery metals that I've been, you know, telling everyone about here had itself a heck of a week. Released some more drill results. Four out of four on the first four lithium holes have hit. Significant widths and min- mineralization. I'm excited for that project. They're cashed up. They're going to be conducting... A 20,000 meter drill program. The stock was up some 11, 12% today. I think it's headed to a dollar in short order. We shall see. Um, I'm looking, I'll ask myself or I'll, I'll comment and opine myself. I'm looking forward to results from Aldebaran Resources. Uh, big copper gold project drilling out some of its higher priority, high grade targets in Argentina. Those assays are due any day now. And It'll be a 100 to 200 meter step out from the best hole ever drilled at that property late last year. So I'm excited to see what that does. That stock's firmed up. I think, you know, we we recommended that to subscribers on the trading service. I think at 56 cents. And last I checked, it was over a dollar, right, without the assays. So I think any positive news there, and you're going to get a quick re-rating higher. Um, anything that's caught your attention and... The cannabis space, the tech space. Uh, I saw you making some moves in a couple of the letters. Um, honestly, I'm not too excited. Uh, what I'm excited about is is this development of the cycle that I think is coming, right? For people to realize that it's um, actually is going to be maybe a prolonged bear market for a little bit. Um, I'm excited for rates to start going the other way, which I, I still think has mm. to happen. Um Yes, uh, I think gold is going to go higher, so uh, I'm excited to to fill out my uh, allocations there. And uh, other than that, man, I think you're in in, in bear market S and P territory. Uh, trade tread lightly. Um, and buy your your physical gold below um, eighteen hundred bucks, and uh, just be careful because um, I don't think that nastiness that you saw in, in January is done. I think you're going to see a little more no. nastiness. And, and again, the bond market and the volatility index are, are, are leading indicators when it comes to the potential for capital dislocations in, in the overall indices. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's opportunities always like um, it's a it's kind of a simple one, but like Unilever. That's, you know, Unilever, Unilever. I mean, you know, one of the largest consumers, Staples companies. Um, They had a misstep a a couple of two weeks ago and was going to buy a unit of another big company that didn't go through and the stock sold off like 15 bucks. I mean, uh, it was amid, you know, those high volatility days uh, in the S&P and things. And so I didn't put it in um, any letter, but, you know, I was taking the opportunity personally to, to peck away at that stuff. And so you just have to know the environment that you're in. And I think it's important to know that the environment you're in now is not the environment you were in, in like um, last summer and, and early last fall. In fact, it would probably su- just surprise uh, quite a few people to know yeah. that like the NASDAQ actually peaked in, in November, for example. And so it's already been four months. So I think these next couple of nasty down days or down spells you have in, in February and March, it's time to start positioning for like the next cycle of the market, right? Um, because it's already going to be the end of the first quarter. And so um, those are the things I'm looking at on a, on a macro level. Um, 
on the, the smaller private side of things, you and I were talking before the podcast. We've got some that have been private for a while that are starting to to come public and list, and it'll be good to get that liquidity because um, liquidity is good. Liquidity is good. You got offices to buy, and I got all sorts of things to do. So yeah, I like liquidity. I'm a big fan of it. Um, yeah, I think that was good. Anything else you want to get off your chest? You, you know what I should mention about Mr. Amir Locke that was killed by the Minneapolis police? That was a legally registered gun, and he was a legal gun owner. So for That's those important. that would counter yeah. by, yes, and, and, and I don't think I mentioned that, and, and I should because it's an important point to me, especially here in the U.S., someone that's very pro-Second Amendment. If your name isn't on a warrant and all you're doing is sleeping with your gun for whatever reason, and you're inside a secure premise and you're doing nothing wrong and that weapon is registered and it's registered to you and you have a permit to carry it, then when an officer breaks through or opens a door, starts yelling at you, you have every right to have been holding that gun in the safety and comfort of that home, whatever home it was. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope and we start saying, but he had a gun. Food for thought, everybody. That's all I got. Hate to end it on a somewhat somber note, but it should be an interesting week. A lot going on. Be careful with the Russia-Ukraine thing. I think we're not going to hear the end of that anytime soon. Um, anytime I see capital looking for safe harbor, it tends to lead to volati volatility societally. And so something to look out for. That's all I got. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. So it's therapy session number 155, otherwise known as Bizarro World. Nick, say goodbye to the people. See ya. Stay safe out there, everyone.